Hey friends, and welcome to You Deserve to Love Your Job with me, Arlene Pace Green. My goal is to help you identify and achieve your greatest aspirations and have a lot of fun along the way. I'm so glad you've joined me on this journey. Let's go. I am so excited to let you know that the You Deserve to Love Your Job book is available. It's in paperback and Kindle. I wrote the book for anyone who is looking for more purpose, more meaning, and more joy in your work and life. Filled with examples, quizzes, and experiences from real people, including me, and the book lays out a roadmap to help you clarify your purpose and create an action plan to achieve it. Go get it. It's available on Amazon. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining today's podcast. Today, you're going to get to hear a conversation I had with Emery MacFerry II. This season, we're publishing episodes that are linked to the different chapters in my book. And this episode is linked to chapter two, which is called There is a Process. In that chapter, I share that there are lots of processes that people use to uncover and build their purpose over time. And in the book, I share one that you can use. And in today's conversation, it is so enjoyable because you get to hear from Emery who shares real insights as someone who has found his purpose, who's created a life around it in a creative profession and is enjoying his life. Emery is the CEO of Very Good Music Entertainment with over 20 years of experience helping local and professional artists record and publish beautiful music. Specializing in music creation, Emory uses that experience to create an artist's unique and relevant sound by focusing on quality music and professional vocals. Emory has been able to put the training he received growing up in church to good use. Over the years, his musical abilities have garnered recognition for recording songs for E.J. Johnson, B.J. the Chicago Kid, and Samet. Emory may spend his nights in the studio or on a keyboard or organ but it's the sense of fulfillment and the cultivation of relationships that really get him up in the morning. When he's not playing, producing, creating, editing, mixing, or podcasting, Emery is an intentional father and loves to spend time with his two sons, Emery III and Nate the Great. You are going to love this conversation because there are so many insights and just so much to learn. And you'll get to hear that Emery is such a loving, genuine, and insightful person. You're going to love it. Enjoy. Emery, thank you so much for joining today's episode. And I'm looking forward to this conversation for a lot of reasons. So along with being the CEO of your own entertainment company, uh, for the audience's sake, you know, you're also the minister of music for the church we attend. And I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like this is kind of one of our choir rap sessions. I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, we have praise and worship practice. And sometimes yeah. we come in and you'd be like, we're not singing today. <laughs> we're just going to talk. And it was like, talk, oh, yeah. okay, let's do something different. And it was always something, I feel like it was always a conversation that was like deep and interesting. And you kind of have a gift of helping people have these difficult conversations, but in a way that's really comfortable. And I was thinking even one of the conversations we had, like I went out, I don't know if I ever told you this. I went out after and like took some action. I went out, followed up with a couple of friends of mine who I felt like, things hadn't ended well, you know, and kind of put things back in a different place. So anyway, I just appreciate your gift in real conversation. So I'm glad you're here today. Wow. That's what's up, Arlene. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. So 
was that conversation like about fixing relationships that ended bad or something had something along those lines? I think it was about regrets. Like, I feel like it was something to do with like things we regretted in our past and like what we'd done about it. Had we done anything about it? And I just remember those two things being like, you know, I just never like they just it didn't end well and I didn't feel good about it. So I went back and had follow ups with both of those people just to like almost clear my conscience, but also apologize to them in terms of like if the interaction didn't end well. So it was a super I think it was about regrets, if I remember correctly. Wow. That's what's up. Yeah, I I was you know what I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. I don't even know where this the passion for this comes from. I've I've just been this way my whole life. Well, you know, since I was a teenager or so. I just, I genuinely believe that most things can be fixed with a good, heartfelt, honest conversation. <laughs> I believe so, that about you. I totally believe that. I totally and I just go. So I'm all pushing for it because we just avoid the conversation and just stop talking to each other. You know, and then we build up our own resentment. We get our own, I think for you, I think why you did it. I make up in my mind why you did it to me. Yep. And it might not even be the thing, but I've made it up. That's sticking to it. And we don't talk. And then, you know, it's a horrible cycle. And I've seen it too many times. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm just extremely passionate about people and fixing relationships and maintaining good ones. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. I mean, you're amazing at that. And that did, that encouraged me. And I mean, yeah, many times in practice, you've been like, okay, are y'all good? Like, no, for real. Are y'all good? (laughs) Like, if you're not, I need you to go ahead and say it now. We're going to have this conversation. So I'm glad we get to have this conversation about a different topic, but still, I just appreciate your honesty and genuineness. So I know people are going to gain a lot from it. So All right. thank you for joining. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, thank you for having me. This is a, yeah. and I, I'd like to see your face on here. You know, I, you know, I love you, Arlene, like crazy. <laughs> yes. I really it's do, mutual. man. It's mutual. And then I see you doing your thing. I love the whole feng shui. You can <laughs> look at my background and look at yours. I'm a little jealous, to be honest. Yes, I'll, I'll hook you up one day. I'll hook get me that, up, that you know what I'm saying? Help me out. I'm over here struggling. My blinds don't look like your blinds. Yeah. I'm going to get that background together. Yes, but you do have the lights, so you got something going That's on. That's what got right. You can see me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yes, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation is I talk to a lot of people that are still trying to figure out their purpose in life, and also, even once they figure it out, how to work in it. And you're someone who has really, you know, figured out what your purpose is. You're able to work in it, build a life around it. And I was looking at, we did a survey in 2022, our business did, asking people just, do you know what your purpose is? Are you working in it, et cetera? And what we found was about 40% of the people that responded knew their purpose and were kind of working or living in it in some way, like either their main job or, you know, maybe something they were doing after work, whatever, but they were, they felt like they were living it. But the other 60% either didn't know what their purpose was, they knew what it was, but weren't sure how to get there or make it a real part of their life, or they knew what it was, they knew what they should do, but they hadn't taken action on it yet. So 60% of kind of these working adults were still figuring it out. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is to kind of get your perspective, what you've learned as someone who actually has figured out their purpose, working in it. Not that purpose doesn't evolve over time, but you've been able to create a life and a career around something you really love doing, which is not that common in talking to adults. It's not. It's really not. It's, it's really extremely hard. I'm, I'm always grateful whenever I talk about, you know, my job, my passion, my, my music. I start with I'm grateful for the, you know, for being able to, to do it this way. Yeah. You know, I feel like I know there are people who are more talented, more gifted that have nine to fives, which isn't a 
a bad thing necessarily, you know, but I know that I'm extremely fortunate. God has really, really blessed me to be able to live off of what I love. Like I would do this for free. Yeah, that is a blessing. That is a blessing to be able to do that for real. So how did you figure out what you wanted to do? Like, how did you figure out that music and, you know, things around music was kind of your thing and what you wanted to do? So I grew up, my dad, he was a pastor. We had uh, organ, piano and drums in the house. So there was music there. Um, I would sneak on the piano in the middle of the night. Mm. Sometimes I'd get to playing and it'd get good to me. I'd get loud, you know, and my daddy'd be ever <laughs> get off that. I just start back playing real soft again because I knew he was going back. You know, it was just you, you know, that was that was in an easy call. I used to love football, I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to play football, but my daddy kicked me off the team. Mm. I, I, I never really knew why. You know what? That that's interesting because that is a, a hallmark of parenting in those days. You really didn't have to explain things <laughs> at all. <laughs> you not did doing it, it. And it is what it was. I'm like, why no. not? Because I said so. There you go. Uh huh. And if you say something else, you get slapped. Exactly. So you just left it at that. Uh huh. Yeah. So um, I really just feel like he re- he really wanted me to stay in, in this field. I don't know that, but you know, just looking at how life has gone. Maybe that was just his way of, nah, you know, stay focused on this. Because, yeah, music is it's, it's just always been around me. I just, I have always, it's been my therapy as well. Even as a kid, sneaking and playing in the middle of the night. It was a piano. We didn't have keyboards. We had a piano. Uh-huh. So you had to actually hit it and it made, it reverberated through the house. <laughs> yes. Um, but it was always like my, my calm place. Like no matter what was happening from divorce in the house or stressful situations at the church with my dad or whatever, life, family deaths or whatever, the piano, the music just always made it, you know, made me feel calm. It made me, it put me at peace. And I don't even know if I recognized that it was my passion, like, like to be able to explain it until I was like in my thirties. Mm. I was really just moving, just going through life because it felt good. This is what I know I'm supposed to be doing. I didn't really know it like that, but I knew this is what I was supposed to be doing. And I just, you know, kept at it. <clears throat> I, I never researched how to make money off of it. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, so many people don't really, like I said, they're amazing musicians, but it has to be a hobby for them because they have to work. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. God has just made my, I, I, I would say I, I had it easy when it comes to, you know, choosing a career. It was just always there. It was never a problem. It was never a second guess. I never wanted to do anything else. I still don't. <laughs> Talking to my brother the last night about it, I was I was just telling him like, you know, it's it's different. He was like, you don't want to do nothing else, man. <laughs> I was like, bro, it's like it's it's different when you are at peace. Like when you feel like the stresses that come with it don't bother you. That's a different kind of thing. Like whatever comes with music, there's grimy people. You get lied to, they don't pay you on time, but they don't pay you at all. The venues close. They tell you you're gonna do something and it don't happen. There's a million things, attitudes, people you deal with. I'm easy going. Like it doesn't bother me. It just doesn't bother me as much. Some sometimes, you know, it, it can build up, but I'm at peace with doing music. And I'm like, once I find, once you I find that in anything, relationships, job, a church home, I'm satisfied. I'm not looking for <laughs> everything per se i'll say it that way i'm not I'm, I'm looking for what this this is right this, oh i mean oh i love her i mess with my rock with her that's it mm-hmm. yeah that's it i've made my decision as i'm not wavering yeah and that's just kind of been my personality with music with anything i do so 
Mm, I love that. And the, I mean, I could see the peace in that, the ease in that. And it reminds me of something uh, a friend of mine taught me, which is, you know, she was saying that if you, if like a challenge turns you around from something, that probably wasn't your thing. Like you're talking about the stresses that, you know, wow. like in any yes. profession, you're going to have challenges, you're going to have stressful things. But if that one thing is so stressful, it turns you around, you're like, I don't want to do it anymore. She was like, that probably wasn't your thing because it wasn't, it wasn't important enough for you to persist through it. And what right. you're saying, I could totally, there are probably a lot of people who would start something in music and say, you know, I, if I don't get paid dealing with people at church or other musicians who I'm sure can be quirky, just like all of us can be <laughs> like, just deal with personality, like all the things that come with it. The fact that you're able to kind of move through it. And it's not something that ever said, you ever said, you know what, like, I'm not dealing with that anymore. Yeah. That, that's probably a good sign that you're working the area you know, all of us, that's a sign we're working in an area that probably is called for us. Yeah. I've always said, if you don't know your passion and you don't know what your, your, your purpose, I'll say, mm -hmm. um, the best way to try to find it is what would you do if money was not an option? If you could do whatever you want, you know, if there was no problem with money, your bills paid, traveling with everything taken care of, what would you do? Like from your heart, not like, I want to go to the beach, not necessarily that, like what right. would you do? With your life, if money yeah. wasn't an object, and that's where I—that's where I tell I encourage people to start at. So let me ask you this: So in growing up, like you kind of always knew that you had a music was your thing for a lot of different reasons. Were there any people or events that kind of pushed you further in that direction? Was there any? Was there a person or event or something that happened that kind of cemented you or kind of pushed you further towards music? Yeah. So there's a guy back home in Michigan named David Brock. Oh my God, amazing musician. Like he still like impresses me to this day. And that's kind of, that's big. Like he still, he still plays stuff that I can't play or that it doesn't come to my mind. Like how, where did that, how did you put that with that? You know? Yeah. yeah. David Brock, he was, he's like, back then I thought he was seven feet tall, but he's probably more like six, six, uh, six, seven, something like that. Still pretty tall. Still pretty <laughs> tall, but I thought he was seven plus, like, yeah. you know, just looking up like a giant and would wear that organ out, man. And, I just, I looked up to him so much and like how much control, how much power he had over the sanctuary or over the servants. You know, like if he wanted you to cry, you're going to cry. If he wanted you to shout, yeah. you're going to shout. If he wanted you to worship or whatever, like the, he controlled the atmosphere. Mm. And it's, and so I didn't learn this part until I was older as well, but it was because he was really in tune with the service. He wasn't just playing to be playing. He was looking around, he was watching, he was, you know, meditating, he was praying as well and seeing what the service needed in those different moments. And I think I kind of mimicked that unknowingly yeah. until it became a, a real thing for me. So David Brock was definitely my number one musical in influence besides him and my daddy. My daddy was another one. He played the piano and the organ. Oh, okay. He really wouldn't show me much, but he would make me learn hymns, you know? I love a hymn. Mm -mm. I do too. And I hated him when he made me learn them, but I love them. <laughs> yeah. Those are my main two. I've had a few others. Uh, Cornell Burton, uh, that I grew up listening to, uh, Curtis Gulledge, Sykes. Oh, man. I mean, I can go down the line. It is, yeah. But the, the number one had to be David Brock and my daddy. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I always feel like there's people, you know, that we run across in our lives that just inspire us further in, in whatever direction God's called us to. And so that one of those people was your dad is also amazing. Like that's, that's just super special. So yeah, <laughs> I love that's that. That's my guy. 
Mm-hmm. I did have one concert one time that I was supposed to play for when I was like 15. I never, I didn't, I don't know. I just wasn't into it like that. I just played because I just play, you know, because I could play mm-hmm. and I play by ear. I never really learned music or listened to theory of it or just whatever. Mm-hmm. And this one concert came up and David Brock told my daddy he didn't think I was ready. And that just, so that lit something in my soul. And I really didn't, I, I, I wasn't able to do the, the concert either. So what what did it light in you? Like what did that what did that statement or learning that what did that what did that do for you? I'm gonna show you. <laughs> yeah. What you mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, in actuality, he wasn't wrong. Right. Okay. I wouldn't have treated it like I needed to to mm-hmm. really get it done and executed well. I, he was really right, but that's yeah. what I don't know. It's like wait, wait what? Right. What? <laughs> me what that's yeah. I mean but that's back to that example of like sometimes challenges stop us and sometimes it just fuels us like that was yeah. a disappointment I'm sure to hear but instead of it stopping you it kind of fueled you so it and it wasn't in a like I've never been like I'm gonna outplay him or you know I'm gonna yeah. show him up that, I don't even want that fight I don't <laughs> want that. I'm just gonna do me uh-huh. all the way you know what I'm yeah. saying and I I I, I learned how to really, really do me, but I never sounded like the people who I looked up to, right? So, and that used to make, that kind of had a little, uh, that made me feel like I wasn't good enough in a sense, because I didn't play like the uh, the people who I grew up listening to. It wasn't until I was grown again, like in my 30s again, when it was like, you know, people really like how I get down, but maybe I need to just chill out, you know, because sometimes, especially when you're uh, any kind of creative, you're your own worst critic. Yeah. Like, and sometimes it can be a detriment, you know, mm-hmm. um, when, when we're not focusing on the real, on what's needed to be focused on. I don't know. I just, I felt like I couldn't play as good as everybody else. But I'm like, why am I getting all these opportunities? Why is all this stuff? Why is this money coming to me? Why right. so many people that I look up to are like, oh, we're going to Big M. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Like people wouldn't, you know, there are some fakes out there, I guess, but people, the majority of people wouldn't do that. Right. If yeah. I was not you know, good. So I just had to remove, I actually never accepted it. I just, I just removed how I thought like, okay, I just, I don't, I'll take it. I'll just take what right. like, I'll take Exactly. It. Yes. You know? uh-huh. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, one, you are amazing. We both know that. And I oh, think man. about how you impact the, the sanctuary when I'm there, like when we're together in service. Um, yeah. Like I could see what you're saying you admired in Mr. Brock, I could see that in you for sure. Yeah. Like yeah. being in tune and knowing what to do and when to play and what to, you know, kind of what the emotions are, what the spirit's saying. Like, yeah, yeah I could see that completely. So like, what have you done? And I, I understand what you're saying. Like, it wasn't like you said, I'm going to read a book on how to make money in music or something. But like, as you look back, what did, what have you done to create an actual career in this space? Because like I was saying, a lot of people do things they love, but it's more of a, hobby it's something they do on the side but like what what do you think what has helped you to make this an actual long-term career for you I'd say the most uh tangible thing I've done is just maintain and garner great relationships with other musicians you know there's a certain level of respect like you know what okay so let me see I'm gonna this kind of took me a little a different way but I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a big guy mm-hmm. and for men sometimes if you just big, you just intimidate, right? Just nothing else. You just, that's just a thing. And some men are 
intimidated or like they feel like they have to prove that they just as much a man and stuff like that. All these old weird stuff, right? Gratefully, my daddy, he was also a, a big man. He didn't have those kind of pride issues. He didn't need to, you know, show that he's in the room. I had to let you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, if anything ever happened, he was going to, you know, do whatever was needed. But he didn't have to, you know, show bravado and all the other stuff. And I know that so many of my musician brothers are broken and hurt and have church hurt and have family hurt. You know, we don't read the counseling. We got a bunch of stuff, trauma from childhood that's there. And so seeing me and how I walk and I'm, I'm a confident man, I walk in with, I'm going to, you know, people, attention kind of comes to me. I know that can be a little off-putting at times. So what I've done or what I still do is I just walk in, I'll go speak to you, random, whoever you are. And I've, you know, I've talked, I've ended up, you know, speaking with people who were like multimillionaires and didn't know it. And because I'm, I'm just a people person like that. I don't, I'm just going to come talk. I don't want to, I want to, I want to, you know, ease the, uh, that initial tension that can sometimes be there amongst men, you know, and it's, it's really unspoken. And sometimes we'll, if you have that kind of snappy attitude, you'll kind of always be ready to throw down and fight. Or if yeah. you got the, you know, uh, passive aggressive attitude, you'll act cool in my face, but go around, all that stuff. <laughs> and I, I understood that at a very young, not so much in detail to explain it, but I understood it in a organic kind of way. And so what I've always done is I'll, I'll go first. I'll go talk to you. I'll, I'll, ease, I'll show you I'm cool. Like, don't worry, I ain't on that. Right. You know, that type of thing. And that for men is something different. But this, is, I, this is one of the reasons why I believe I have so many friends and so many uh, acquaintances, you know, in this field, because I don't, I don't, I'm not bringing that rah-rah energy. You know, I'm, you know, you can see what's up. But I don't have to come in showing my skill. I, we don't, my friends, we don't even talk about music, mostly. And they're all musicians. We don't really talk about music. We talk about life. We don't talk about accomplishments. We don't talk about things we've done. Unless it's something coming up, we don't really, you know, talk about it. Because as men, I've just always known that men need men. I, I don't know how. I've just always known that men need other men. And if you're a cool guy and you're popular and you can play, or something, you know, people kind of look up to you, you got a little juice. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're cool too, that makes, that draws people to you. And then it, but it, it'll also weed out those who aren't genuine. Feel it and they can feel it too. You, you can feel it won't work, you know? So just kind of maintaining those relationships and going, you know, coming up, I'll, I'll meet you. I'll, it doesn't, I'm not a shy guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, and you know, it's funny, even thinking back on, Kind of the business I'm in and what has sustained it or grown it over time, like what's enabled me to still do this, you know, day to day and make a living. I think your point about relationships is that kind of probably transcends industry a little bit. Like that is probably a success factor for doing, especially things on your own where you're kind of getting to work yourself. I mean, yeah. like that yeah. ability to just have good relationships. And I love your point about going first, like being willing to initiate the conversation leaving pride out of the door, just, you know, just talking to people as people, how that can open the doors for even think the other things you want to do that have not, you know, may have nothing to do with this conversation, but somehow in that, as you get to know people, they're like, Oh, wait, you do music. Like, I mean, I can, yeah, I can yeah. totally see how that would that happens open a, lot. a lot of doors. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Cause that's the, I, I feel like that's just the best way to it's, it's worked for me. I'll say it that way. I'm sure there's some, a couple other ways to do it. I'm sure of it. This is what I do because I'm, I'm I'm such a people person. I don't 
I try to come off as non-threatening as possible, especially now that I'm older. When I was younger, I was a little more rah-rah. Yeah. But um, I understand a lot more, you know, the more you understand, like if you know better, you, you should do better. And yeah. that's kind of how I kind of live my life as well. I know what men need. I know I'm. I know what men need. You know, I do, and I give it to them. I don't mind. It's kind of a ministry that transcends your ministry a little bit. It's like a. Kinda. It's like another ministry. It's like music is your main thing, and that's your. But in that, you're able to operate in this other way too, around just you know being a good friend and being support and holding other people accountable and them doing the same like that. It's like a secondary. I don't know if it's secondary. It could be primary actually, but. It's another ministry. Yeah, that's my thing. I don't know. And it, and it just so happens that most of my friends are musicians. Yeah. It just so happens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love that. I love that. So so let me ask you this. Like you're in a, an entertainment industry, music industry, which is really different than, you know, most of my career I've been in kind of office jobs some way or another. Like what's the hardest thing about working in an entertainment music, like this creative industry? What do you think is the hardest thing about doing that? I'd have to say um, people not keeping their word. I think, you know, I genuinely believe that people mean well when they say things. It's just the follow-up when things go left doesn't always happen. And so like if you're a musician for hire, uh, you gig for your money, you know? And if you've been told you're going to make, 250 at this gig on Thursday night and then Thursday night comes and they text you and say, sorry, the gig is off or something happened. The promoter didn't do whatever, whatever the issue is, we do not making that money. And, and then, and it's such a, I would say people skills is probably mm-hmm. the, the, the worst aspect of it. The, the people, you know, the peopling of it, because <laughs> you have to be able to, you know, things come up. We all know that. Yeah. Um, but when you're not, uh, number one, empathetic to the the people who you just let down, mm-hmm. and if you want to immediately push all the blame off you, then you're, you're, you're over it, but you don't, it ain't my fault, this happened, this ain't, instead of being understanding, you know what I'm saying, that puts, especially men, that, that I won't say especially, but I know at least what I, from what I know, it puts us kind of on our heels. It's like we want to retaliate or we want to do something. Even if it's just like, uh, I'm not going to ever mess with them again. Something we, something has to be done for you not caring about how you just affected me. Yeah, that's probably the, the biggest thing is the letdown and the poor communication skills that come with this this job. I would say the, the peopling is the hardest part. I'd say that's probably the hardest part of most jobs as well. Just, uh, But I could see what you're saying where you don't have someone... I mean, I guess when you're doing this kind of work, think about gig work or just maybe it's one job they're not paying your whole salary. So it probably feels right. easier to just be like, eh, I'm not going to make, like, you know what I mean? To kind of change your mind on things. It's a little easier than if someone's paying your whole salary, you can't just say, no, I'm not going to work. Cause it's like, that's my whole year's salary. But when you're getting pieces from different places, I could see how that could be easy to, to kind of not take those commitments as seriously for people. Like, yeah. how have you overcome that? Like, how do you deal with that? That aspect of the industry? Uh, my standard. I'll fire my homeboys if they're not prepared and on time. I have two rules when I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. Be on time and be prepared. And that's for anybody. My son, whom I love dearly. I'm not, did I kick him off for something before? I don't think I did, but I was, it was close. <laughs> I'll get it because that's just my standard. And it's not, it's nothing personal. This is really just what I believe. You know, when things yeah. happen, if you're going to be late, you need to let me know as soon as you know that you're going to be late instead of, 12 minutes after you were supposed to be there. 
you know, oh, traffic is bad. Or most right. of us are lie anyway. We right. just leave. exactly. I'm a fellow musician. I know how this goes. Right. You know, yeah. so we know it's mostly a lie anyway. But you know, right. I just kind of keep my standard and I hold myself to it. You know, at all costs. Like um, I was, I was late to a gig at the Freeman actually a couple of Mondays ago. It was raining up this way, but it wasn't raining down there. It was cutting up up here, so traffic was a mess, and my phone had died. And the charger was so slow. You know, the phones now you, you gotta have that fast charger, yeah. or it's, it's nothing you can do. Right. I put that boy on there. I drove thirty minutes before it cut on. Oh dang! Yes, yeah. I'm like God. So, uh, but my people, they 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 were like, something's got to be up. He's never late, especially not this kind of late. You know. Right. Um, but that's just that is really my standard, you know, being on time and being prepared. I listen to my music. I make sure that people listen to the music. I ask through the week. Like you got questions on something, you know, I thought this chord was this, but it's really this. I just want to see if you thought the same thing, you know, I want to, cause, uh, and it helps when you use the people who you are in good relationship with. Mm-hmm. Cause they understand yeah. you, you don't have to fight about, you know, some people, they kind of take a, take offense, you know, being fired or, you know, being told that they can't do something because they didn't follow through or didn't follow the rules. Most guys are like, oh, I'll be good by the set or by the recording or by the, the gig. I just, I don't operate that way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to, some things are very, very last minute. That's understandable. But when, just when you're, you know, when I'm moving around, I don't like to, I want you to be on time and be prepared. I mean, and just the willingness to fire of like a friend or something. like, it's like, yeah. there's kind of, there's standards for how we work together. And if we can't operate under those standards, we can still be friends. Yeah. But we're not going to be able to work, work together. With you. Exactly. I'm not going to be able to work together. I have friends who I'll probably never work with again. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We don't even talk about it. It's not even a thought no more. I just know when I need something, whatever they play, they're not an option. Right. Right. Because they may not be on time and be prepared. Right. right. <laughs> it is what it is. I love it's that. It's kind of a little, it's, it's, it, it can be cut though, but this is how serious I take it. I look, this is a gift. We, I didn't practice enough to play how I play. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I did some work like that. This was just downloaded into me. God just gave me this. And I'm able to live. I live in, you know, it's Frisco. I live down the street from you, Ali. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. It's not easy, you know, doing this thing, you know. And what sets me apart is my punctuality and my and me being prepared and my personality as well. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, most guys are late. Mm-hmm. I won't say most. A lot. A lot of guys, though, are really late or they're not prepared. They're always listening to the song on the, on the gig with the phone up to the ear. I don't do that. Uh-huh. I just, I don't want, I want to be comfortable. I want to enjoy the gig. I don't want to, you know, be thinking so much that it's not enjoyable. Because if you have to learn it, you know, if you have to, you know, think, you You're can't stressful. enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, I mean, it's stressful. So, it's stressful is a good word. Listen, because, you know, even for choir, if I don't know my notes, I'll be stressed <laughs> It's so stressful. Like you're right. If you're not prepared, it can be very stressful. You can't even enjoy the moment. So, so what do you love most about this? Like, what do you love most about this industry and career? Ooh, that's a good question. I'd say I think it's a toss-up. Man, I really feel fulfilled when I play. Uh, if it's a church gig, if it's a bar gig, if it's a club gig, if it's producing, I don't know. It just mm-hmm. I feel fulfilled. Um, it's either that or just the reaction of people, or you know, like. I really purposely try to make the audience feel how I feel while I'm playing. And if I'm able to do that with just one person, I'm, I've done my job. So let me ask you this. I know you're super intentional with your parenting and you have 
to, I, I guess I can't say boys anymore. You have one Whoa. boy and one young man, essentially, since our, our, your child, your oldest and my child are the same age. They're basically young adults at this point, which is hard to imagine. What have you done with them to help them uncover their purpose or either doing now with your youngest? Like, what are some things you've done? Because I look at your oldest, I, I text you one day, I was like, oh my God, he's in here, he's a musician as well. He was killing it in this church. And I was like, man, that's awesome that at such a young age, he's already figured out something he loves and is able to work in it already. So like, what are some things you've done or you do or you recommend to think about in terms of parenting your children and helping them figure out what it is they're supposed to do? So I think it's easier when they pick the field that you're in. I wouldn't necessarily know. Maybe, I mean, it it, it may be the same way for, you know, every single field, but I just know that in music, I just, I never pushed it. They were just, I say often that it's really just about what you're exposed to. Like I said, I had organ, piano, and drums in the house growing up. So, and my, my, my sisters, they don't play, but they really can play a little bit, the, the, the drums or whatnot. And they can sing, right? They can sing. Yeah. They can both sing. But, um, I think it's just what you're exposed to. Like they, by the time Nate was here, I had a pretty decent studio. When Emma was here, I was, we broke. So we ain't had nothing. <laughs> I had a little keyboard, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, but, um, they grew up under on, on this, you know, did you, you, you've been over here, you, this stuff everywhere, it's gear everywhere, like everywhere, and they have access to it. So like as kids, you know, they just want to bang on stuff. Something's making noise, they just want to do it. So I, of course we bought all the drums and guitars and saxophones and mics and pianos. We did all that stuff, real drum set for Emory especially. I just feel like once you find, once they're, they're leaned towards a certain thing, you push that. That's kind of how it is. So they all love music. Mm-hmm. Nathan was actually more of a brainiac. Like he liked computer stuff. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's we would, that was what we you know bought him. And, but now he makes music off the computer. Oh, does he really? Okay. Yes. I knew. I knew yeah. he produced something. I remember he produced a when we were doing that radio show for the church. He kind of produced our intro music, and that was oh yeah, that I was years that. ago when he did that. So yeah, yeah, he actually just texted me a song last night that just dropped that he just did with this other guy, this other blue check man. Okay, on my Instagram. It's this. They're they're grown too. They're like in their twenties and thirties, producing stuff, and they called Nate to make the beats now. Like wow, this. and Nate's a teenager for those who don't Nate know. Nate is 14, <laughs> right. Right, so. Nate is 14, but he's really amazing. Like, the boy's good. Like, he learned all the, you know, parameters for EQ. And I remember when I first was teaching them, this was uh, probably about four years ago. So, you know how they have a knack for something? They just, yeah. he has it. He tried out for, in, in band, for the, uh, to play in band. He tried every instrument, and they approved him for every single one. Listen, come on. That's never happened before. You know, he just he just really has. I don't know. I just encourage them to do it like they're mm-hmm. they're they're really, really free to, you know, had it been chess or the chess club or whatever if they wanted. To, I would have pushed it. You know, I wouldn't have mm-hmm. held them back. Man, maybe you should just play the drums. Yeah, I would have given it. You know, I, I think I would have done it the exact same way. Just encourage them. I don't show them stuff on the keys. Not really. I make them figure it out. Like, use your ear. You have to develop it. You do it now. You won't have to do it later. Like, we're like, now I can hear a song and play it right on the spot. Or I, or I can hear you singing something and I'll figure it out. You know, sometimes it's not exactly what you do, but 
we'll get some music to it. Yeah. <laughs> it won't sound so bad. Okay. But that came awesome. from development. So I just kind of let them, you know, find their way. And then once they find it, I push it. I'm just grateful that it's been in music. It's it's just easy. Yeah, that's and the the how fun is that? I mean, I'm guessing you all are having jam sessions over there from time to time. We do. We definitely <laughs> do. We definitely it's, it's it's the best feeling though, I Arlene, mean, no joke, man, is like when I'm working here on my station, Emory's at his studio working at his station, and Nate's in his room, and then like I'll have a, a moment or something, and I sit back in my chair and just look at this. I'm like, what's better than this? Yeah. Like what's really better in life? I'm so like, I'm so satisfied. Yeah, I, I say it all the time, no better, no better place to invest yourself, your money and everything else than your children. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just such so rewarding to see them doing well. And I mean, yeah, yeah. that's sweet. Yeah, them are my babies, man. They are getting grown. I know you already know that we had the same feeling when they was graduating. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? I know, I know. I still haven't figured out what I'm going to do. And we're talking about moving out this year, this summer. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's like I want them to, but it's like I don't, you know? I... Yeah, you want them to be independent and all those great things, and you want them to stay with you the rest of your life, too. So it's equally. <laughs> right. I want to see if the, all the stuff I taught you worked. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see how much of it you got, you um, know? But I'm like, but I miss my baby. I miss them being around, miss him, you know, I'm going to miss him acting a fool. Like he'll yeah. just bust in my room. Yeah. Make a make a funny face and then bust and then leave. I'm proud of them. And yeah. Yeah. So so let me ask you this. So at the before the end, before I let you go, I want to do a lightning round. Just ask you a few questions. Give me your thoughts on it. And so one of those questions, just to help people get to know you and what you do a little more. And one of those questions is what's a typical day in the life of Emory McVary II? Like what what What's a typical, do you have a typical day? Like what's a typical day like? I kind of do. So what I do, I get up about 1030. Mm, if, I don't, if I don't have nothing to do, listen, I can get up late. I love that. Yeah. Um, get up, roll around. Thank the Lord for me, for waking me up. Look, mm-hmm. or, you know, look, you know, I don't know, kind of like wake up, basically check my phone for messages I missed over the night. As I always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get on up and then I just, um, I walk. Sometimes I walk. I walk like two or three times a week. I do my little, I got a little path I do now. Okay. Um, do my little uh, smoothie shake thing. And mm-hmm. Do a little walk. And I get I get right to work. Usually, um, some some days I don't really have much. Which Those are the best. But those are the days I do my laundry, you know, and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. It never really stops. So right, it's always something right you're gonna be doing. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> either I'm sitting right here at this computer working, or I'm doing laundry or whatever. You know, sometimes I can just sit down mm-hmm. and just watch TV, but that don't happen more often. No, yeah. Not during the day. Yeah, I go to work a little bit, and then uh, I'll cook. I cook like three or four times a week. Uh, I just come up with stuff and make something, and usually the boys like it. It's pretty good stuff. I was gonna say, if people aren't following you on social media, they should because it's many times I look at those those meals. I'm like, dang, that looks good. <laughs> like, just around the corner too. Like, I know. <laughs> Pull up sometime. I got you. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, talk to my family. We have a group chat. We talk every day. My sisters, hmm. brothers, my siblings. And sometimes I've been missing them lately because I've been really busy and they've been talking mess about me because I ain't been around. Is this group chat like a text or are you all like, it's okay, you all chat. get on a tech and you all kind of, you all engage in it every day. Every single day, all wow. day. 
that's why it's so much, you know, like, I mean, if I'm not busy, I can kind of be with them. Right. But and then it's only one or two people. It's never all of us at the same. It's not, it's rarely all of us at the same time because everybody's yeah. doing something. So. Right. But that's a really big part of my day, checking in mm-hmm. with my family, making sure everything is good. There's always some kind of jokes about something or yeah. some serious stuff, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a very big part of my day, uh, checking in with my family. Yeah. Uh, making sure the boys are good. Our gig, usually at night. So then I'll go to a gig and come home. And then I have to turn my brain off to go to sleep. That's always an hour, hour and a half process, no matter what time I get home from music. So that's why I'm a night owl. Right. Yeah. I can see it. I know because I, I know you do, which we'll mention before the show's over. You you are because you're still doing Monday nights, right? At the at the Freeman. Band. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One day I'm gonna make it on a Monday. Night. I know. One time y'all almost did it and it rained. Y'all was like, not gonna make it. I'm like, dang, Arlene. <laughs> yeah, we were like, we're coming. It started raining. We were like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not tonight, but we're going to get there one Monday. But, you know, Monday night, be like, whoo, I can't even imagine. Yes. Okay. So, okay. That's really interesting. So you're still, you might get up later, but you're up late at night as well and yeah. kind of managing the work things, but also some of the personal things. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I always wonder what someone who's not like at a desk eight to five is doing, like how that works. So you have a little bit more, I don't know if it's even freedom, but um, freedom, would you freedom. say? It's freedom. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's freedom. Cause like, so like I'll do studio sessions. Like I, I, I play piano for different artists and stuff. So mm-hmm. there's always something I'm almost always doing some music. Right. You know, during the day. And then, like I said, on the times when I'm not, you know, you got to clean the house, you got to make the house straight and do the things of life, the things of life. <laughs> that you hate to do. Yeah. My laundry is a never ending story. I don't know about nobody else's. Oh no, that's that's the same over here. That's the same. Like it just never. It's like really. Exactly more really. Oh, it's the same situation over here. Okay, okay. So let me ask you this: What's one thing you consistently do just to enjoy your life? Like, what's something you do that just helps you enjoy life in general? I go to the spa. Mm. I go to I go to King Spa or Spa Castle. Mm -hmm. I go once or twice a month too. Oh, do you? I'm thinking I'm gonna get a membership. (laughs) because <laughs> i go i i'm gonna what do out. you love about it what is it you love about you know it? what it's the um i love the water number mm-hmm. one i really love the water mm-hmm. and so when i'm there you know those places like so they have a whole outside area with the you know hot pools and the jets and shoot you on your back and your head and your neck you know and it's and it's hot like the, the water is 98 99 degrees you know, no all year round. And then they have hotter ones, you know, and they have saunas upstairs. Like I go when when we go, and I try to make my homeboys go too, because a bunch of people that live here have never ever been there. So I kind of push them to kind of go and they they go with me sometimes. So if they don't, I'm still going though. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I don't think I'd ever seen a place like that before moving to this area. I'm trying to think other places I'd lived, and it is something. Like I've only been once, maybe once or twice, but it's it's an experience for sure. It really is. It is, and it's and it's a little expensive, but I think it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. We go, we stay like six, seven hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that kind of place. It really is. We eat. We sometimes we'll go in the, in the little back in the in the, uh, in the in the locker room, take a nap. They have some couches and stuff over yes. there. Yes. Uh-huh. Put the headphones in, take a nap, get back up, and go back and do it again for another couple hours. That is yeah, awesome. 
I love that. Okay. And last question, like what's a word of wisdom or piece of advice you live by? Oh boy, be a man. That encompasses it all. You have to be a stand-up guy. You have to be a man of your word. Uh, if you say something, you do it. If mm-hmm. something comes up, immediately tell the people that you connected with, you know, be righteous. Just don't, uh, just be, be, be righteous. Don't be a jerk. Don't be mean. Don't be petty. Don't be vindictive. Don't, you know, try to show so much bravado. You know, just be a man, like in the true sense of being a, a man. I mean, handling your business, handling your responsibilities, love your God, love your your family, your spouse. Just be a man. That's really what it boils down to. I love that. And you are an amazing example of all those things. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I see that in your life. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Arlen. I appreciate that. Thank you for joining. I appreciate it. I um, I'll put things in the show notes, but. So for everyone else to know, Emory has his own production company, VGM Entertainment. Am I saying that yeah. right? Okay. Very good music. Yeah. Um, he has a band, Vibe the Band, who plays on Monday nights for sure. You all play other places as well? Or is that is that Monday night or that's something different? So Monday night is Bree and the Fellas. Oh, Bree and the that's Fellas. The, okay. Yeah, that's at the Freeman. And then I also okay. play with Vibe the Band. That's on Fridays and whatever the gig. I also play with Jay Bennett on Sundays at this brunch I just started doing. It's a lot. Ooh, send me that. I gotta. I love a right. brunch. A Sunday brunch I might be able to make. So right. The Mondays. Eh. <laughs> the Sunday brunch. Sunday. That's up my alley. Yeah. And Emery's also on a podcast. And what's the name of your podcast? Our podcast is called Crucial Convos, where we just we talk about the conversations that don't get talked about in the Black community. Mm-hmm. From relationships to sex to religion to business to mm-hmm. everything like trauma, mm-hmm. you know, mama hurt you, your daddy did something, wasn't it? We talk about all that. I was telling Emory I was listening to one last night on postpartum depression, which was very interesting because of how real that is, and that's something in that crucial conversations area. A lot of people don't want to talk about because they have shame around it or don't understand it. So I love you all's conversations on real. Back to kind of who you are, genuine, real topics, honest conversation. So y'all can catch them on there as well. Yeah, absolutely. We're on Facebook and we're on YouTube as well. Okay, awesome. Well, Emery, thank you again for joining and thank you all for so much for joining. Um, As always, you can find me on Instagram at Arlene underscore Pace underscore Green. Everyone be well. If you love this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You're also invited to join my private email group where just for joining, you will receive a checklist for getting your LinkedIn profile in top shape and a link to the first chapter of my book. Click join the crew in the show notes. I also invite you to visit my website where you can shop our t-shirt collection designed to help you fulfill your purpose, love your work, and enjoy your life. I have them all, wear one almost every episode, and know you will love them. Thanks so much for joining me on this journey. Let's go.